So this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom apparently has cold ears and Ursula's undivided attention. Look, Hound just came in from outside and it's very cold out and she put her head in my lap and her poor ears are so cold. It is, it is. And here comes Sergi and, you know, uh, Cammy, the little orange kitten. She's not a little orange kitten, a little like orange six. cat. Yeah, is is here and so... Yeah, that's that's how it is. It's dark outside. And the chickens are asleep and safe in their their coop. Oh, cold ears. Yeah. So there's that much. The other thing is we swear a lot. I mean, I'm just ripping the bandage off right now. We swear a lot. We mark the podcast explicit because of that. There is no what one considers traditionally explicit content, or at least we try to avoid it. But. You know we're gonna we're gonna drop some f bombs probably before the end of the thing. Not gonna lie, and so we have to mark it explicit because there is no other setting except clean, and it ain't clean, folks. Oh, I apologize. Such cold ears. Except when the dog has cold ears, apparently. <laughs> so that's that's it. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode eighty-two. We are really there's a lot going on and a lot not going on all at the same time. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I continue in my beautiful rut. It's been so good. I, I tallied today how many words I've gotten written in January. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm at 43,000. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty granted, good. my baseline is 16,000. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. What, what was the number I gave you? I, I'll have to look it back up. So, um, and my 19 days of productivity, the release day for this podcast is the last installment and i'll talk a little bit about more about that in a minute but it's been getting a lot of great reviews and i had this weird experience this week do tell and that was when i i sent the last article in on sunday right and as monday rolled around and i had i had something to do monday i did a a sort of a guest cook gig at a friend's restaurant it was a lot of fun and then tuesday rolled around and i'm like all right what am i going to do today and i didn't have articles to write and I didn't have, you know, a, a place to be. And for the first time since the whole unemployment thing, I actually felt a little adrift. Uh, like, yeah, book postpartum is real. Yeah. And I, I realized that this, but, uh, you know, 19 days of articles that you have to, to hammer out is, is that's, that's uh, writing every day. I was doing, yeah, I mean, and it's between five and 650 words an article. So it was, yeah, I, I, I have a document I put together where I just shoved everything together, stripped out all the duplicated content, like the introduction for every day that was the same and all that stuff. And I'm going to run a word count against it. It just terrifies me to see what that number is going to be. Uh, well, if it's on average 500, 650 words and mm-hmm. you wrote about 20, then it will probably be somewhere in the ten to 12,000 word range. Which for me is... Amazing. That's a lot to get done yeah. in, in 20 days yeah. or 19 days. And so there's, there's, and sometimes there is that letdown, no matter what it is, uh, when a project's done. If I am not working on this project, what am I doing? If right. I am not the person who works on this project, who am I? I and it's common with authors. It's common with uh, like contract workers. It's common, especially when you know, a project ends at a workplace, it's like, but I've been doing this for, who am I now? And so oh, I've yeah. had to adjust. I've had to adjust. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning new skills because I've never done it like this before. It's, uh, uh, there's a reason that uh, my buddy Murr and I, when one of us finishes a book, we don't say, wow, go you, you finished a book. We go, oh God, I'm so sorry. Do you need booze? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't need booze. Uh, I don't need booze. No, and I'm not going to take mm. you out for cheesecake either, unless you want me to take you out for cheesecake. No, but, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, that, that's one of the. Other I had birthday cheesecake. It was fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's thank you, the, Rebecca, if you're listening. It was amazing cheesecake. That that's the the there is sort of a a postpartum you know moment yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember it hitting you really hard when you finished uh, the first Dragon Breath. Yeah. I think so. A lot of things were hitting me hard then. Yeah. Uh, after once you've written, you know, seventeen, eighteen kids books, you stop feeling it on those so much. But uh, 
uh, every novel still hits me hard. Yeah, well, it, I, I, does it help that you have five or six going at a time? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. But there's usually towards the end of a book, it, mm. it kind of hits this steamroller point where right. I'm going to finish that book. It's coming out one way or the other. Okay. And then I'm not working on other projects. You know, usually there's three or four days to a week where I am just like, okay, we are in it to the end. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was sort of how I felt over the weekend because my editor is, it still feels weird to say my editor, my editor was taking a little mini vacation this like Monday, like, not a, you know, she's checking work email, but she's basically off work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I pushed myself to get the last five, five articles. Yeah. Five articles to her as soon as possible. So like Monday I turned in on Friday. Um, and then the other three I turned in, basically I wrote three articles on Sunday mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was a wild run. Oh yeah. So, uh, and so there was a little bit of that you know, okay, I did this push to the end, and it uh, it, it hit a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. After the push to the end, you're like, you know, because you have been head down in that thing, and then it's over. It's and done. And you're like, wait, uh, do, do I keep picking at it? But uh, particularly when you've – what I usually do, honestly, is type the end and then send it immediately so that I don't get stuck in the – let me pick at it. I don't necessarily suggest this to other writers. Lots of no, people. No, no. Hang on. Orange. Cat on soundboard. Yep. She did not turn anything inadvertently on this time. Okay, so I'm not. I don't have reverb. No. Okay. Uh, Do you want reverb? I okay. Just a little reverb. Okay. There. Just a little reverb. Reverb. Okay. There okay, we go. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I had it on a really short delay, so it may not be that noticeable, but. Uh, right, the, um, uh, what the hell was I saying? Uh, I've completely forgotten what I was saying, because there was a cat on the soundboard. <laughs> um, oh, yes, I send it out off right away. Uh, mm-hmm. lots and lots of people will tell you, under no circumstances, send it off right away, put That's it in a drawer. That's the dog scratching, by the way, and, and hitting her collar. Yeah, uh, put it in a drawer and, you know, look at it in a month or whatever. Uh, let's say, you know, go through, edit it. All of that. Uh, that's great. If that works for you, do that. Right. Um, as always, I am not saying I have the one true way. I do happen to write very clean first drafts as these things go. So uh, that's that's an observation more than a, right, right. a brag. I'm also slower as a result. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are people like I write 3,000 words a day. Well, mm-hmm. knock yourself out. I write... A thousand words a day most days, but on the bright side, I get to keep, you know, 999 of them. Uh, Although I have noticed having written 43,000 goddamn words this month, (laughs) uh, there's a couple of things in, uh, at least in the Paladin book, where I'm like, nope, I'm, I, I, that's not going in there. And the thing is that I'm still not getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just cutting it out and putting it in another file. And occasionally I find the spot it goes, slice some of it out, and put it back in. Uh-huh. So uh, it's it's like I have the deleted scenes file, <laughs> which occasionally I undelete sections of them and put them somewhere else. I'm having to do a lot more slicing and copy and pasting in this one, moving things around to the point where I finally got frustrated with myself and sat down and wrote an outline, which I never do. Never. This is the first time I in, in any memory I have you... Writing an outline for a book. That I have, well, that I haven't written at least a synopsis for a mm-hmm. publisher, but an actual, like, segment-by-segment segment outline. And it was really helpful because I figured out how some things went together. I now, in theory, know how the book goes. Uh, the downside is that I realized, despite being 50,000 words along, I'm still on page two of a four-page outline. Yeah. Which means this is going to be a doorstop. Well, these things happen. Uh, and I 
I, I really hope that that's because some of, as the outline went along, scenes that, you know, I had not gotten to got were written in much more detail mm-hmm. because, you know, it's like, okay, this happens because of this, because of this, because of this. But, uh, yeah, hard to say. So, so uh, the interesting thing about that is there are parallels. Here we go, bringing it back around. Segway! Segway, segue. not quite. There are parallels to uh, workplace project management or project plans, right? All a project plan really is, when you get right down to it, is an outline for what you're going to build or you're going to do. And as you are illustrating, sometimes it's a lot bigger than you think it will be, or even more, it's taking a lot longer than the initial estimates. And that's important to keep in mind for those of you who are working on those sorts of projects, and I know you're out there, in that those estimates are probably going to be way off because someone will say, oh, that'll only do whatever in the planning meeting or the fifth planning meeting or whatever it was. It'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that won't take any time no, at no, all. No, no, Torty, not the soundboard. That's not Torty, that's or orange. orange yes. not the soundboard. Cammy, bear, where are you going? Okay, that's fine. Um, but... We are a professional operator. So professional here. And if any of you are first-time listeners, <laughs> It welcome. will not get any better. <laughs> Probably not. A- anyway, the idea is that you'll you, when you get into the trenches of actually doing the thing you've planned out, it never, ever goes as planned. Uh, what is it? Man plans, God laughs. And every plan of attack is perfect until you make contact with the enemy. Yes. You know. Uh, it's... Uh... There are reasons these things exist, because let me tell you something. Yeah, everything goes to shit once you actually start working on it. It's interesting. Um, And I suspect part of the reason I had to outline this one is because this is a much more sort of tightly plotted one than I've written before, um, in that it, it has kind of some moving parts that... Uh, all have to get together at the same time, which my general method is just to sort of start somewhere and go and see what happens along the way. And this one, I have like two sort of opposing plot threads that are going to crash together. And timing the crash is the uh is the reason i needed the outline pretty much so right and there's again here's the parallels you can have two work streams two groups working towards a common goal that will eventually have to mesh and if they aren't talking to each other and reviewing things and and getting together every so often like checkpoints making sure you're at the right place in each stream then they're not going to hit at that right point together and so part of what you're doing i think is as you're working these two plot lines is you have to make sure they're kind of keeping pace with each other so that the timing hits just right. One of them is um, just the occasional reference dropped here and there. But yeah, yeah, there was Mm -hmm. a point where I'm like, okay, where are, where do we have to be in the trial for uh, when the severed heads show up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of other kind of up in the air stuff. I mean, you're just one writer doing it and aiming, yes. aiming these together. I, I look at um, writing partnerships like James S.A. Corey, who is actually two people, by the way, who writes The Expanse. And between the two of them, they'll have four moving pl- parts that all come together in a single plot at the end. And I have no idea how they do that. I'm, I'm always very impressed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not write with other people. I, <laughs> my friend Murr and I keep swearing we will write our Where Anglerfish Billionaire uh, <sighs> love story. Shut up, man. <laughs> we will do it and it will be genius. Uh, and, and the Christmas tapeworm? Uh, that wasn't real. I just did a cover. Okay. Um, <laughs> although I got the, the greatest blurb. That I I still use this blurb as a placeholder in my cover design. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever I need, you know, the little so and so says this was a brilliant book line. I use a line from Lars Soberg. Oh yeah, I which, love this stuff. Uh, yeah. Lars Soberg. Lore, yeah. That uh, is this is a dot 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 book. I'm like this yeah. is the greatest blurb ever written. Oh yeah, no, so, Lore does yeah. great stuff. I so mean. now all of my uh, my cover mockups just. 
as the placeholder have this is a dot 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 book. We should see if we can get Lord to like actually blurb one of the future ones. Nah. Uh, I don't know if he'd be up for an epic where anglerfish romance. If if it was you and Murr, I bet he would be. Uh, so the, anyway, the premise is the male anglerfish. You know, as as many of you may or may not know. Uh, becomes, and if you haven't seen the I'll Link the Oatmeal cartoon. Yeah. Uh, is attracted to the female, bites onto her, uh, has his body, like, absorbed into hers and basically becomes a set of testicles hanging off the side of the female because it's hard to find, you know, other fish in the trenches and... Once you've found one, you keep it with you. So uh, the female just wanders around with this collection of testicles uh, on her. So you always want to be the female anglerfish. Yeah. And unfortunately for our our sexy billionaire, he's the male anglerfish. And it's a real problem. And the love interest uh. is a female sperm whale, a were sperm whale. She doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, no. Uh, she's and so you know his butler just picks him up and throws him into the saltwater tank every full moon, and but she has to live at the beach. And, right. Yeah. I guess, and yeah. yes, uh, and she is not interested in in sexy billionaires, but uh, they yeah, there's like a heist and the female where anglerfish runs an offshore casino and it's all very. Murr started to put a plot in there. Well, that's Murr. Murr, yeah. Murr will plot things. Murr is great at plotting things. By the way, if you haven't read Murr Lafferty's book, and she was uh, on here, I want to say in the very, very first year, first couple months, um, her book Six Wakes, absolutely amazing. I'm waiting for whatever she comes up with next because it's always brilliant. The other downside anyway. is that if you're going to write where anglerfish billionaire erotica, you have to write sex scenes, and we've all talked about how difficult that is for me. We have. Yes. Yeah. Also, a uh, shout out, and I'm sure we'll get to this in the letter show, to the person who wrote in to say they, they felt my pain for book covers mm -hmm. as having worked with may, many stock photo model issues. I, I, don't, that, I don't think that was sent into the to the... Oh, was it just on Twitter? Or it might have been, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Solidarity. Solidarity, yes. And yes, bears do look incredibly ridiculous, no matter... Unless they're actively snarling, a bear is just a kind of... Huh? They're, they're kind of derpy. They're and very derpy animals. So yeah. the uh, so yes, uh, bear shapeshifter covers. Finding one that's not got a look. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so there's all that. We should probably interview somebody. Oh, I have somebody to interview. Um, I say we. You do all the interviews. Yeah, they are fantastic. I want to emphasize they were absolutely fantastic. Took some time out of their day to talk to me. Uh, this is Seraphim Dibble, who is one of the editors and publishers of Fuel the Scene magazine. They are also a photographer and do a lot of stuff that way and a writer. So I have an interview with Seraphim right after this little bit of music. Hi, folks. I am here with Seraphim Dibble today, and they are here to talk to us about how they stay productive uh, as the editor of a magazine and other tidbits. So, Seraphim, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do a lot better than I just did? <laughs> All right. Well, as, as you said, my name is Seraphim. Uh, I've been a... Uh, uh, with feel the scene force for them the other day for about two years now. Um, basically, the big thing I do to stay productive and uh, be productive in that is uh, I set deadlines for myself because I know that I'm a really bad procrastinator. So I try to always keep absolutely everything in a calendar so that it is constantly there, constantly like weighing on my conscience. If it's not in a calendar, I will forget it. I have friends text me, ask me, hey, where are you? And I'm like, what do you mean, where are you? <laughs> and they're supposed to be here an hour ago. Oh, that wasn't in my calendar. So, uh, 
the same thing applies to feel the scene and writing the articles. The big thing I have to do, remember to do is I'm really bad about checking emails. So I have to set calendar reminders every week at a certain time of week, day, every couple of days to check that email or it's just not going to happen. Right on. So the, and the other big thing is just like finding a good spot to write because uh, a large part of what I do for feel the scene is writing album and concert reviews. And I need to find a space where I am, available for doing that without too many distractions yeah so all right so you've just covered the second question which is how do you keep yourself organized awesome um the question that comes up after that is is what systems are and and habits are valuable to you as part of that and you said google calendar right so (laughs) that's a big part of his google calendar the other part is not moving stocks I use uh, Gmail for my photography business, fuel the scene, my personal stuff. If it's something that needs attention, it stays in the inbox. Because at the end of the day, if I move it out of the inbox, it's going to get forgotten about very quickly. Uh, one thing I uh, learned as an adult, I finally have a diagnosis for is I have very severe ADHD. So that really explained a lot of why I need things in front of me to right. keep track of them. Uh, and that's one thing I would like to say is for those listeners that have also have ADHD or similar experiences, it's perfectly okay. Let something sit in your inbox for three months until you get taken care of, because I totally understand. Like if I move it, if I have a band request an interview, I have to send it to my personal inbox or my photography inbox. So that I, that goes to my phone because, and I can get that reminder every day. I see that reminder to do it. Otherwise, I get an email like I just did from uh, one of the PR people asking me about a review I promised to do back in June. Right. And that was kind of an awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's an interesting strategy because there are lots of people I'm – I'm an inbox zero person myself, and that is if it's something that needs action, right away I'll do it. If not, I have a folder specifically for follow-up with this stuff so that my inbox stays clean and doesn't add that pressure. But you need that pressure. Yeah, and I totally know that feeling because, like, I, I, that's my goal. Is I like having a clean inbox that says zero messages. So the goal is if it's there nagging me, then I feel pressured to do it so I can empty the inbox and be like, oh, hey, look, the inbox is empty. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, how do you decide what to do first on a given day? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Usually, I start with the task that I have the most anxiety or fear about. Okay. What I found is that uh, starting with that, even if it's something I can't get done right then, starting with that helps me get over the initial. In chemistry, they call it the energy of activation for a chemistry reaction, but it's kind of the same thing here. Like, there's a little hill you got to get over to get started. Right. And so, even if I start, like, if I really don't want to email somebody and I've just got to email them, once I've got that done, even if I pulled up the email, wrote the draft, trashed it, and didn't email them, I'm already in a production mi- productive mindset. And that will let me do things like go through emails, respond to them, mm-hmm. send out 15 emails, write an article, anything like that. Yeah. The other thing I do is I pay attention. I do my best to pay attention to what my brain is telling me. If my brain is getting distracted during a task, that's my brain telling me that I really need to finish up and get, take a break. Because otherwise, it's just going to get worse and worse until basically I'm not writing anymore. I'm just like bouncing around Facebook, and it's been an hour and nothing's been written. Yeah, and that there, that's. Um, I think it's important for us to like pay attention like that because often we don't, right? And uh, it's it's not something we're necessarily trained to do. We're we're more trained to all right. You got to start this thing and you got to finish it. and You got to go. And you're not done until it's done. And that's that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And it goes back to I had a high school environmental science teacher. This would have been like, oh, wow, I'm getting old. 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> and, so, um, so for reference, I'm going to my 30th high school reunion next year. So I don't care. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I always say old is a mindset. So yeah, like, I've, I've recently been saying you- I'm not old. I'm just sore and tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, for me, it goes back to high school. I had an environmental science teacher who told us once and explained to us that uh, you only have an actual learning attention span of about 10 to 15 minutes maximum, Mm -hmm. even in an ideal situation, and that you need to pay attention to that. Because if you go beyond that, 
then you're not absorbing anything. You're not really learning anything. It's just bouncing off at that point because your brain needs time to process. And that's kind of something I keep that I've realized like it's much shorter for me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of apply it to my creative process. So like it's definitely something I have to keep in mind. It's just that I have to be aware of that task switch. Yeah, I, I, mine is a little longer, and I think I might be a little little off kilter on that. But like thirty minutes, like thirty minutes for a meeting or thirty minutes for something like that is about all I get. And then, you know, somebody at my old job, they would be, you know, we're going to have a four hour meeting to discuss uh, this document we're submitting for a thing. And after about forty five minutes, I was done. My brain was done. Yep. Yep. Um, yours, but yours is significantly shorter than that. So yeah, I, for creating something, it's about fifteen to twenty minutes. For mm-hmm. listening, it's five ten. Which, when I was a teacher, it made those two hours after school meetings really hard. Oh, that's murder! Yeah, yeah. Um, so you used to be a teacher. Yep. Right on. Um, has your? I'm going a little off script now. Has your process changed a little bit between being a teacher and what you do now? A little bit. As a teacher, I found that uh, this again goes into like diagnosis and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I uh, almost lost my job at one point because uh, I did not realize I had undiagnosed depression. Yeah, I was completely apathetic and like it was really bad. And um, I started seeing my first therapist. I got got a little bit of help from medication to get a kick out of the hole before I got off of it. And uh, that was when I started revising my processes for both creative and teaching. Mm-hmm. And I found that for creating things, like I needed to give my sp- myself the space to have the distractions. I needed to, like, it really gave me any attention for thinking about how other people might, specifically as a teacher, might be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But as a editor and a writer, that's not as important because I don't have 30 kids that I have to consider when I'm thinking about how to do something. Right, right. So, well, one of the big differences there is... Uh, Frequently, as a teacher, I would like work on stuff and revise it as I want. The writer mm-hmm. with writing and editing, I can go through, do a full pass, and then start from the beginning and revise it after I've taken a break. Rather than like giving lesson to two classes, going, "Hey, the kids aren't catching up on this. I need to go ahead and fix that before the next class comes in." Right. So be a bit more leeway and a bit more margin of error for doing things, like not having to have them perfect the first time through. Yeah, and and that's that's I think that's a a, a key point in there is that uh, so many people have undiagnosed things, and yeah. and and there's that whole and and we talk about this on on the show a lot uh, that there's this whole sort of social stigma around it, and so it, it's I'm open about my. Uh, you know, my chronic depression and the medicines I'm on, uh, my wife is as well. And I think that's, that's something I think we really need to, uh, do more about is that, you know, you may not, if depression, chronic depression is not a, yeah, you just, just smile and, and process your way through it. It's, it's an actual chemical imbalance that needs to be addressed. Right. And, and the same with ADHD, you have to manage it. you Sometimes you you need the drug. Sometimes you don't, right? Yep, it's very individual. Mm-hmm. And but it's also very important that you take the time if you think it's a problem or if you think this is going on to get the diagnosis. That's very important because like you, even if you don't believe in like getting that professional help, mm-hmm. like I've met people who don't believe in therapists. I've met people who don't believe in medication, and you know that's their choice. So I'm not going to shame them for that, but. Uh, at the very least, like you can't help yourself if you don't know what you're dealing with. Yeah, and uh, it's very important to to get that information so that you can, so that you can move forward with it. Mm-hmm. All right, um, all right, back on script. <laughs> um, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the best advice or feedback you've been given? That I've been given. Mm-hmm. There's a couple pieces that stick with me. Okay. Um, one of them is directly writing related. I run a local writing group and uh, we share, and we've been going through this book. I can't remember. I think it's called Writing the Bones or something like that. Writing is in uh, writing it with a pen. Right. Um, and I think that was it. And there's a piece in there where it says, uh, write shitty rough drafts. I hope cussing is okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh, fuck yeah. We, we cuss all the time, right? It's cool. It's cool. So, uh, 
allow yourself to write shitty first drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, your first draft is a first draft. Nobody's going to see it but you, and it's okay if you wind up hitting select all and deleting the whole thing. Like, permit yourself to make bad writing. Yeah. Because it will happen. I've written music reviews where I look at the entire last half of it and I go, hell no, we're backspacing all of this and we're going to rewrite that. Yeah. Uh, I've written poetry where the same thing happens. Like, I keep the first, and uh, what winds up happening is I'll write like two pages worth. I'll look at it and I'll go, none of this flows or says what I wanted to, and I'll just trash it all. So, like, permit yourself to have that process. Permit yourself to write poorly so that you can look at it and learn what you're not liking about your writing. Yeah, the, my wife uh, is an artist, and she actually wrote up a certificate uh, that is permission to, to that people can get in print. It's permission to draw bad art, to make bad art. It. Yeah, she um, exactly because I love it. you you can't get better if you don't make bad art first, right? Mm-hmm. The second is a line from a poem. Uh, I have never known violence like the violence I have spoken to myself. Oh. Frequently, deep, yeah, yeah. Frequently, like I feel like I'm a very mediocre photographer and writer, and I frequently get down on myself about that. And you know, sometimes we need to remind remind ourselves that even if we think we're not that great, we are not always our best assessor of our own abilities, and that sometimes we need that someone outside to look in and say, "Hey, you know, that's not." true you are better than you give yourself credit for yeah absolutely where, where who, who who wrote that one andrea gibson okay it's in their poem uh boomerang valentine i i'm gonna have to go read that one and link it um but uh, yeah um yeah and then the third the most valuable one was back way back in high school and i had a uh, teacher who um just retired the other year, and I was so sad because I just moved here at, right before he retired, so I couldn't go to his retirement party. But um, he had this thing where he was never mad at you, ever. You could, like, he was a chemistry teacher. You could literally, like, light his counter on fire. It happened once. <laughs> he would just kind of, like, look over at it, shake his head, and, you know, if it was a mistake, he, you know, he wouldn't get too upset about it. And uh, if you were just, like, intentionally doing something wrong, then he wouldn't get angry. He would just get disappointed. And uh, one of the things that uh, he very much told me is, um, you know, be cautious about things. Like, you know, in chemistry, that meant wear your safety glasses and uh, wear, wear your safety goggles, your safety equipment and all that stuff. But also, like, don't be afraid of trying new things or taking risks. Like, you know, that, that's very much a thing to me. Like, don't – and it, it came back again in lifeguarding. Like, you don't go out to rescue someone if it's going to put you in danger of drowning. And so, to me, that's good advice for, like, the creative process because uh, it very much we have this whole idea of the suffering artist in our society. You look at people – they look at people like Van Gogh and they say, oh, well, if he had had medication, he wouldn't have been an artist, stuff like that. Right. Like, we don't know that. And the fact is, like, yeah, we should take risks with our art, but at the same time, like, we need to be careful that we don't put ourselves in, in, like, really big danger doing so, danger beyond what we're comfortable with. So, like, for me, like, writing is great, but there are also, like, topics I would avoid writing about because I know that for me personally, not even, Mm -hmm. like, necessarily how other people might perceive them, but for me, knowing my mental health, my physical health, there are limitations of what I can do. So... I'm not going to go like volunteer to cover four concerts in a row, yeah. like four nights, things like things like that. Because I know that's not that's something that, on the surface, might be like, oh yeah, I can do this, but I know that it's going to impair my creative process. Yeah, uh, so and, gonna, and you go ahead. No, yeah, funny, funny, funny. You should mention the the whole Van Gogh thing. Um, have you seen Nanette on Netflix? Not yet. I've been meaning to. Okay. I, I love seen clips of it. You you have to watch it. She goes into an entire sequence, basically tearing apart that whole. Oh, if only Van Gogh was medicated. Van Gogh was medicated, right? And the the whole idea that he was unmedicated and that was the only reason he could do all these these great creations uh, is apparently absolute crap. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, because um, she's uh, um, an art history 
degree. And so anytime somebody brings that up, like her therapist brought it up and she basically tore him apart. It is brilliant. And I will also warn you, Nanette is also harsh, real, and heartbreaking. But my God, it's one of the best things I've watched in the last month. So Those are all things I've heard about it. Yeah. It's more reason to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to add a, a note to link to that for the for the people listening at home who haven't seen it. Just keep the tissues and the, the comfort food handy. Uh, maybe a blanket because, dude, wow. Um, you might want to have a warning for that poem, too, for the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your tissues and comfort food handy. Yeah. I was an English major uh, before I fell into technology and podcasting. So I've awesome. I've read some some crushing stuff um, since I focused mostly on uh, early 20th century. That that whole post World War One, World War Two time period is there's there's some dark, dark shit in there. <clears throat> Hemingway is one of my favorite writers. And, uh, he came from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's Elliot and Frost. Elliot, oh, I love both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so much that we people don't normally get with Robert Frost. Now we're on a tangent, of course, but um, because they only read the stuff they have to do in the English class, but not everybody knows things like the um, the the uh, the some of his story poems about like the death of the hired hand and things like that. So. Yeah, and like my English teacher, I grew up thinking that the road less traveled was about taking the road less traveled. And then one day, like two years ago, I started reading it. I'm like, wait a second. My English teacher taught us all wrong. He's not saying to take that road less traveled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love how everybody's like, oh, it's about he's contemplating. Um, you know, it's stopping by the woods on a snowy evening where they're like, oh, he's contemplating death and, and mortality. And Frost was like, no, I was out on the horse uh, looking at snow in the woods. It's not. No, that's not what it's about. And I'm just like, yeah, Interpre interpretation is is glorious sometimes, but it's even better when you can find the author going, no. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, the last two questions, I have uh, I have choices for you. Mm -hmm. um, the first, uh, there, I have two questions. One is happy but difficult, and the other one is unhappy but generally pretty easy for people. <laughs> Which one would you like first? Happy but difficult. Happy but difficult. All right. Do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? Um. It depends on what kind of success. So I, I mentioned earlier, I have a photography business I run. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I have uh, successes for that, usually that means I get a nice big paycheck so I can go out to dinner. and take There you go. Food. So uh, like, or get myself a new video game or something. So uh, that's definitely one of them. Um, with the, with Feel the Scene, I usually celebrate a success like landing a big, coverage like sometimes the band won't be big but it'll be big for me personally like uh for example i covered zeal and ardor earlier this year and i've been like listening to them non-stop for about a year now oh, and wow, uh, yeah andrea gibson did a live reading here and i covered that as well for fuel the scene and so like for those like i freaked out went around facebook going oh my god oh my god what the doing? <laughs> and that was like how we celebrated celebrate that Mm -hmm. And uh, usually with really good concert shots, I do something similar as I share them around different groups and say, hey, just check out this cool thing I took. What do you think of it? So it's like two very different styles of celebration. Uh, one of them is a little bit lower key, depending on how you look at it, because uh, everyone on my friends list gets blasted every couple <laughs> of weeks. Yeah, yeah. The other one is definitely more of a this success. Wow, they start doing yard work across the street. That's disruptive. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's all right. It's it's not actually being picked up that bad, so it's not like a, a okay, cool. probably worse for you than for me. So. Yeah, it's like it's like going back to ADHD. I'm just like, what's going on over there? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, anyway. Um, so yeah, basically, like for, depending on the nature of the success, I just I really like to sit there and uh, find people who are really happy and share my happiness in it. And that's been one of the great things about having Discord, like our different communities. Yeah, is that. Have different communities i know like people who are excited about cars stuff i know people who are excited about music so whatever it is i can find a group and be like hey everyone check this out you know man or like i'm in the email that i'm not supposed to tell people about i could go hey there's a great new album coming out i can't tell you what it is yet just be on the lookout for it uh yeah absolutely um and, and uh, <laughs> yeah that's um 
that's that's definitely one thing that I, I try to do is keep keep a little bit of different communities around because like uh, one of the things I realized I was in a really toxic and bad relationship for a few years, mm-hmm. and uh, but at the same time she was my big contact. Like we were into a lot of the same progressive rock bands and stuff like that. So when I would so uh, sometimes I still go well, man, I don't really have anyone to talk to. This prog rock band I love is like coming to town, and I'm like. And so there's always that kind of like note of I wish I had someone to talk to about it. So I try to I try to keep a little bit of like diversity that way in my community. So I always mm-hmm. have someone to talk to about stuff. Right on. Um, all right. So maybe this one's going to be the hard one after all. But uh, out of all the people I've interviewed, people say this is the easy one. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? All right. <laughs> Not well. That's the short answer. <laughs> So um, it really depends on the type of failure it is. If it's like not hearing back from a press request or something like that for field for the magazine, I mm-hmm. just uh, those don't kind of don't bother me. I just kind of get irritated that people can't respond to an email at least to say, "Hey, no, we're not letting you in." Right. Um, there have been a couple cases related to other stuff to like communities I run online and stuff like that where people don't turn out to be who we thought they were and people wind up getting emotionally hurt thankfully mm-hmm. not physically yet yeah but um and that is always a challenge because I tend to take it on myself and blame myself even if I know it's not my responsibility mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of goes back to that quote earlier from Andrea Gibson uh, I've never known violence like that I have spoken to myself yeah because when my failures involve like people actually getting like upset or hurt, I tend to really blame myself, and that's not a healthy place for me to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, sometimes if it's just like I'm I'm late with the review, mm-hmm. just like okay, uh, I need to sit down. I, I I block out two hours of time, which is usually the maximum amount of time with with breaks it takes me to finish that review and edit and finish those out. Um, so it really just depends on the nature of what went wrong, what I missed, where it fell short. Right. So that's the, probably I mean, and that's healthy. I mean, you're you're actually generally reviewing, checking to see, diagnosing what did or didn't go go right or wrong, and uh, I I think that's pretty admirable. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's not an easy process because, like I said, more often than not, I do fall into that trap of blaming myself, and then mm-hmm. I get further behind. Yeah, and that's not a good place because then I start like just, oh hey, I should work on this, but I'm really feeling bad. Let me go play some video games for two hours. Two hours later, I'm like, well, let me go get lunch. Then let me go get, and like things just get behind. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a challenge um, both with ADHD and with depression. Um, you know, my, my depression medicine at least helps me short circuit some of that. But, uh, you yeah, know, I, I remember be from when I was undiagnosed and having that spiral of, I need to do this, but I'm not doing this and I'm beating myself up. And then I beat myself up for four hours. Right. Yep. Exactly. And yeah. that's, that's one of the things I've been needing to talk to my therapist about is getting, uh, potentially getting on some kind of medication. Cause it's been pretty bad the last couple months. Yeah. And, uh, 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 hey, I believe in better living through chemistry and, um, uh, you know, so, and uh, it's not for everybody, but if it works for you, then great. Give it a shot, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's everything. Sweet. Um, where can we find your work? Uh, depending on if you're just looking for my photography or for my work with Fuel the Scene magazine. If you're looking for the latter, you're going to have it's going to be a long URL. It is uh, fuelthescenemagazine.com. And uh, I'm waiting to get hours at work so I can buy a shorter, like a short link just exactly for this purpose so that we could just tell people, oh, yeah, go to ftsmags.com, you know? Right, right. Like that. But um, right now, it's fuelthescenemagazine.com. And for my personal photography, it's uh, panfocal, P A N F O C A L.org. And that's my photography work. Right on. And if you, know, if you wind up on my photography site, you'll quickly realize that like all my concert work is is like feel the scene related. So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not like I I bought my wife a um just just a she's never seen Alice Cooper live, so I bought us fourth row seats. So oh th- wow, that was a that was a let's go have fun at a show. Not I uh, I mean I'm. 
I go to concerts for fun all the time, but yeah, know, not 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 any way work related. Just oh my god, I got to sit four rows from where uh, Nina Strauss was playing the entire night. So oh my god, that's yeah. nice. Last yeah. time I saw Alice Cooper was like six years ago, and like fifty rows back. <laughs> yeah. uh, they were really good prices in Raleigh when I bought tickets. I was very surprised. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I got lucky with because like I saw them with Iron Maiden and like. Fifty rows back was actually good for that show because oh, it was yeah, at yeah. an amphitheater. It was outdoors; and they had the giant screens. But like, but like at the same time, like it was good. I was surprised with how how good the price is. And that's one thing I've learned coming here the hard way: is not everybody has anti scalping laws. Oh right, right. North Carolina, mm-hmm. like you can't legally sell those things for five dollars over what you paid for them. Here, there's no such rule. Yeah. So like. I would be like, oh, I want to go see Apocalyptica. It cost me thirty bucks in North Carolina, hundred fifty dollars for the Ooh. tickets. Yeah, I, th- I think we're gonna have to buy from like StubHub to see uh, Ghost next month. Oh yeah, yeah. That's but yeah, you touch on a good point there. Like it's important to remember that you that as a creator, you do have you sh- you do have the right to take time out just to enjoy stuff. Yeah, like. You bring up a great point there because, like, yeah, I love concert photography and I love like landscape photography and street photography, but sometimes it's good to just not worry about the work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 do it because you love it, but you you have to take some time out to to just enjoy it, enjoy it, right? You don't want to burn out on something mm-hmm. you love. Yeah, I, I watch my wife bring in. Uh, she's you know an artist and an author, and I watch her bring in art books all the time, just because she likes that person's style or thinks it's neat. Not because she wants yep. to duplicate it, not because she's competing or anything like that, but just because she loves it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, all right. So thank you very much, Seraphim, and uh, this has been fantastic, and I'm I, I got a lot out of it, and I hope our listeners do too. And for those of you listening at home, we will be right back. And we are back. Woo! I had such a great time talking to Seraphim. It was really pretty uh, interesting to talk to them. And I learned a lot about being both someone who's doing what they're doing, as well as when they were a teacher before that, as well as some of their particular challenges. So our badge code this week. Our badge code this week is Fuel the Scene, all one word, after the magazine. For those of you who are new, and for those of you who aren't new, you're just going to skip over this. I I realize, just hit that (laughs) 10-second forward button. We issue Mozilla Open Badges following the Open Badge standard, and a badge is an image with some metadata embedded in it to talk about where you earned it, and who you got it from and when you got it and stuff like that. And you just go to the productivityalchemy.com website. You go to the bottom, do it on a desktop or at least in desktop mode. Mobile is still a wonky. And you type in fuel the scene in the little box at the bottom to claim your badge and it'll take care of the rest from there. So that's that. Yes. Torty is in here now. So that's that. What? I moved the microphone away from my head. That's fine. You didn't bang the microphone with your head, but we all know you were petting Tortuga, Torty at the same time. Yes, I was. Yes, Rose and Cammy are two youngest cats, although at this point they're, what, six and seven? Something like that. Something like Five that. Five and six, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Rose, Rose is more commonly known as, as Torty or Tortuga or... Torty Tor- Butt. Torty Bear. She's a weird little cat. And Cammy's the little orange one. And yes, before you ask, I named the cats after Street Fighter characters. But no one uses their No one names. uses their They're names. They're tiny orange and thorny. Uh unless unless I'm mad at them, then I use their I use full names just like I do with my kids. So, I, originally Torty was um Rosalita. 
I have no as memory, I recall memory whatsoever. Which is how she ended up with Rose and then Cammy because Cammy worked fit with Rose as a pair. Anyway. So yeah, that's that's it for us this week. A little shorter episode, but that's okay. Uh, you can find out more about us and a link. There is now a link at the top of productivityalchemy.com that says articles. That will take you to a page with a list of all the articles I've written, including all 19 days of productivity. Yay! Yay, I'm really happy about that. You should be. That's a lot. People, and that's a tight and, deadline. And, and people have asked a lot about where can I read these articles? Or is there a page with a collection? Well, there's now a page with a collection right off the main site. And any new articles I write for publications or whatever are going to go in there. Fabulous. So that, you know, it all works out. You can support us by liking, by sharing, by retweeting. By we, thinking generally positive thoughts absolutely. in our direction. <laughs> you know, if you feel the need to throw money at us. We won't stop you. We're not going to stop you. Just go to the support section of productivityalchemy.com. There's a whole page there that talks about our Patreon at patreon.com slash Ursula V, which pays for all three podcasts and the equipment. And the hosting. And the hosting and the... Expensive. I just had to pick up my Dexalent today. Yeah. And it was $275. But that's after after however many years, nine years of Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap. Honestly, it's amazing that we even have a GI tract anymore. Yeah. It's not just going, we aren't just swallowing and it dropping straight into a pit of acid. Truth. So much truth. But, uh, and the hidden almanac gets paid for from the Patreon. I personally live off of coffee. Coffee is like my jam. And you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ksunny. You do not get the same perks you get from the Patreon. On the Patreon, not only do you know you're supporting all the podcasts, you get all of Ursula's self-published books as in, T. Kingfisher. As T. Kingfisher included in the package. With mine, with, with coffee, you get a badge. You get a badge that says you bought me a coffee. Whether you buy me one, whether you buy me, you know, you do the recurring payment thing, whatever, you still get the badge, no matter which way you do it. And the badge code is in a, a locked post for coffee Ooh, supporters only. I just thought of something we could do. What's that? Uh, I, I was thinking about how, wait, wait, don't tell me, used to have Carl Castle record their voice on your answering machine. Uh-huh. We're going to make Reverend Mord record your your away message. Uh, okay, well, let's... For let, a suitable donation. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, oh, we'll... man, every Kickstarter I do from now on, I'm putting <laughs> you on the hook for that. <laughs> Support at the hundred dollar level, and Reverend Mord will record your outgoing message. Limited number of limited number of, of slots. Tater, slots, yeah. yeah. I'll nope. also allow Pastor Drom as an option. There, yes, absolutely. And those are, by the way, for those of you who come to us from some other place and don't know about that, that is, those are the characters from our other podcast, The Hidden Almanac. Which Sorry, are, it was brainstorming there. That's fine. Yeah, you can find out about all of that and more at productivityalchemy.com. Thank you for listening, and you know what, folks? Have a good week, and stay productive. Can't you just hear it? Hi, everybody! They're not home! Woo! Yeah, actually, that, that, that does kind of that does kind of work, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> if we must.